UBC with Dudonet, Ali Magui and Bob Sutton and we're talking about the difference but Bob's just returned from Honduras and we're just talking about the difference I asked between a model forest and a community forest and Bob was starting to tell me and then the battery died and here we are again so Bob go for it there's obviously a very close similarity because to affect change in practices and understanding it is a social activity as much as it is a technical activity and a scientific activity so the roots of the model forest program back in the 90s in Canada that engage communities, similar to community forestry, that would allow them to bring forward some best practices, share, network, and exchange. It's now grown to where there's 51 sites globally that share at an international level and share also within regional networks. So there's a lot of similarity. We like to think there's one of three principles that guide our process. A landscape, not just a forest area, but a landscape big enough to capture all of the players, all of the actors, all of the issues, all of the conflicts, which is the downside of that, and to move forward from there in a model that respects some principles but isn't legislated. There's no guidebook that says for a model forest you have to be this, this, and this. Okay. okay. So that's the fundamental difference. Yeah. The fact that it's not regulated by you know the government. Yeah. And in this case, government may have a lead role. They could be the lead player, mm -hmm. but in many cases they're not. The actual change come from like-minded people, communities, etc. Okay. Come together to make the change. So a landscape big enough to all the players, all of the issues. Okay. At the second level, um, a partnership because the people that participate have to be willing to work together. Yeah. And it doesn't mean they agree on everything. Mm -hmm. It doesn't even mean that in all cases it's an easy decision around what direction to take. Mm -hmm. At the third level, it's a process. It's not seen as a process. It's, it's, yeah, it's just like a community forest because public participation towards the formation of a community forest is always a big issue. You're coming to it's also you know, yeah. a fundamental issue. So I see some, uh, you know, some similarities. And yeah, uh, one difference could be this: is there a lot of networking and expectations of networking, share results and learnings? Obviously, within the community forest, yes, but within, say, local community forest or within a network at a, at a regional level or a country level. by the state okay. yeah so the state still has an influence even though communities actually manage their forests okay. and use the process for community development how well does that work in Cameroon? um well it's been a, it's been very very successful uh, about uh, in Cameroon of the model that i mean the, com the community for, uh, forestry actually in Cameroon, the model that exists in Cameroon is very really similar to what's yeah. you know prevailing here in, this, in, in bc uh 98 percent of the forest is publicly owned owned by the you know owned by the state so with the advent of community forest since 1994, about 2% uh, uh, of the state, 2% of the forest have been allocated to community forestry. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it's been very, very successful, even though there are still a lot of, you know, a lot of, you know, problems and challenges still, you know, still persist. Do all of the groups, here's a question for you that's coming from Honduras. Yeah. Honduras has a long history of state direction, state control. We're yeah. going to have this project, we have this program. Yeah. And community forestry actually has been a big theme in Honduras. People typically find that if it's state-directed, mm -hmm. there's a lot of resistance to that because they've been through oh. past experiences that weren't entirely yep. uh, fruitful. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that, that I find with the Model Forest Program is because the state is a participant, but they don't kind of control the process, mm -hmm. you've got a model where communities have to come together and work at their level, and then the state 
in Model Forest? It varies, and Model Forest can be from private ownership. It depends on the context of where you are. In the case of Honduras, there are some privately owned uh, territories. Uh, the majority of the focus over protected areas and management is actually on public lands. Okay. And a big chunk of it in Honduras is the laws declare, based on the, the state of the land, the, the slope of the land, what is a protected area, what needs to be managed under certain regimes. So, so in, Ka in Cameroon, when I talk about the state still having control of the fact that when the forest is allocated to the communities, the communities are supposed not to manage you know, their forest. But what the state does is that when the community set up that, they tell the state, the, the community to set up a management plan to manage, you know, royalties, forage from the community forest. So they also appoint some members, you know, to actually uh, oh, so be board members, responsible, yeah, yeah. board members that are responsible for managing the community forest. So it's really, really a big issue, and it's created a lot of conflicts at the community level. Yeah. So that's how you know the state is actually involved in it. Yeah, the, the management committee for managing community forest. Part of the members are being appointed by the government. Oh, Honduras is going through an interesting transition, which is similar to this. Yeah. The state and the military and the police actually used to try to affect the change. Mm -hmm. And with fairly scarce resources, it was tough to do. So management plans were in place. Yep. Uh, communities were obliged. The old law, there was a forestry law that was just replaced last year in Honduras. They kind of turned the pyramid upside down. What yep. they've said is, let's establish councils. So the base and most important council right now is the community level council. Mm -hmm. They're responsible to come together. They will receive support from the state. There's actually funding in the new forest act to come alongside to assist with developing the management plan and the implementation of the plan. Mm -hmm. From there, they have to roll it up to the municipal level mm -hmm. because they're trying to decentralize. Mm -hmm. They've realized that if the state tries to run everything in Honduras, mm -hmm. it's it's actually a fairly large challenge. So yeah, it's very they're very similar. Yeah, exactly. The model the model you know prevalent in both countries is very, very similar because in Cameroon, but. That I also find very, very interesting in Cameroon that actually cuts across is the fact that uh, you know communities actually have a lot of difficulties since most communities are poor. Right? A lot of difficulties actually coming up with a management plan. Yeah. yeah, since the management plan is very, very costly, and that is why there's a law that there's a there's been an amendment of the community forest uh, you know legislation in Cameroon. A new uh, manual has been uh, formulated, but it, it has not been you know officially made public. It's still in process, okay. and the model actually stipulates that. Uh, in order for communities to have at least some money that they could use to manage a community forest from the initial stage, what they will have to do is uh, apply, you know, for uh, you know what they call a provisional license, right. the trial license. So as soon as they get the license, they will now manage the forest for two years okay. on a trial basis. Then as soon as they get some money, they will now have to go for a management plan that will permit them to manage the forest on a long-term basis. Okay. And mm. who actually approves the plan? The, the government. The government. Yes. Okay. So the provisional license is also a very, very, you know, something that is innovative and has been accepted, agreed, you know, uploaded, you know, by the communities. Okay. Uh, in light of the fact that, you know, most of the communities are poor. Yeah, it's the same story in Honduras. Do the individual communities have a chance to network and interchange with other communities? Oh, sure, oh, sure, 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 sure. So would it be like a national work series of workshops that would Exactly, national workshops, regional workshops. Okay. Uh, even though it's not mandatory, okay. it's not actually prescribed. So this is very similar. The model forest oh, concept yeah. mm -hmm. really is doing the same thing, except it's it's a it's, international a, it's an NGO yeah. construct yeah. with a little more emphasis, I think, on on connecting at the international level and sharing experiences yeah. uh, from the principles of engaging communities. Exactly. They're almost to that. And the simple that I submitted is actually on that review now. I, given the similarities you know, between both models and some of the differences, how do you compare the model that exists here in BC and the one in Cameroon? Because there are a lot of similarities. Name one thing that's 
dictate how the community forest is supposed to be managed. Yeah. You understand? So there's always, you know, that conflict, that, you know, that difficulty coming to a consensus. How do you manage that? And that's where every ecology exactly. is responsible. National logging companies, what they call them in, cons in Cameroon concessionaires. So they are actually involved in it. We also have. What are the trees they're targeting? Uh, I know most, most uh, of the names that I know are commission names. We call it, there's one Muadi. No, no, I mean, what are the plant species they're targeting? What are they going for? Ebony or what are they going yeah, exactly. for? High value, high, high value. Same thing in Honduras. High it's value, high value species. No. Yeah. Give me a species in Honduras that's high value. Uh, Honduran mahogany is highly valued and okay. uh, has an incredible high value. Um, and there's three other hardwood species as well that are, that are very common. In Cameroon, there's Iroko. I don't know if you Iroko. There's Mwabi. There's hardwood. Okay. Yeah. And there's Sapili. What I know is, you know, the commission names. Yeah, okay. yeah the scientific names I have, maybe even some have. I've had a lot to ask me about some of these commission names. Maybe we can try to cram them. <laughs> yeah, but what I know is the commission Is there an influence from these groups that you've said are fairly well organized through the government as well, though? Is there an issue of corruption that works in Honduras? Oh, yeah. Why ask the question in oh, yeah. Honduras? It's very true. Oh, yeah. I can't work with anyone from the state forestry agency. They will not set foot in a forested area. Yeah particularly if there's any hint of conflict without a military escort. Yeah. Uh, it surprised some people when I first said... So that's, that's a big issue, which is fundamentally different from, you know, from Canada. It's yes. not corruption in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, corruption is a big issue. Corruption yeah. in both those places. Yeah. So can I ask another question to both of you? Global warming, is that something that both uh, systems are even thinking of, or is that too far away? Mm -hmm. Global warming, you know, within the context of uh, you know, community forestry, Yes. Yeah, uh, global warming generally, you know, is a big issue that actually will affect community forests. Yes. in BC. Everywhere. Oh, everywhere. So it's a global phenomenon. Yes. In BC, most community forests are complaining about this mountain pine beetle. Yes. That is due to global warming. Yes. And in Cameroon, I haven't actually, you know, had the time to hear so much, so much about it, about you know some of the impacts of uh, you know global warming on community forests. But I think it should be a big issue. It yeah. should be. In the case of Honduras, you would never hear anyone mention the term. Yes. They come at it from a different perspective. Oh, they've so they've all seen the impacts of environmental events, flooding, landslides, erosion, and most of the communities that engage in this have actually built their own local network of people that are concerned enough to want to do something different. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the normal model in Honduras is a, a slash and burn agriculture, and a lot of programs that have been put in place that in the end run mm -hmm. don't all fit together well. Let's encourage open development for grazing, so let's clear everything so we can graze cattle. They've now lived through that cycle, and many of them don't want to see them repeating, Pieces, yeah. and they've seen the changes amplify. They, they appreciate something's happening, I don't like the trend. I don't think you would find many people recognizing it as a global impact, but they certainly appreciate it. And a lot of the, a lot of the interest that comes from management is looking at how can we minimize these impacts? And that hits particularly poor people 
of the model four is partners because I have to reflect back on that. It, it is a red of partners. So one of our partner specialties is group certifications, and they've been working with a lot of producers. But we're not limited to that model. So uh, in the case of Honduras, we've got a project running right now in analog forestry. I don't know if you've ever heard of the concept. Mm -hmm. uh, let's take a look at the natural forest, the natural structure, diversity of species and functions, and let's see if we can recreate that but allow for substitutions and provide for family needs right now mm -hmm. in the way oh, of food I see. and products. So yeah. forest garden products is another way to look at that. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it's a way, that whole model is built at the community level. Mm -hmm. And it's a three-year project we're engaged in right now. Mm -hmm. And it's designed to, to equip the communities to self-replicate that. So there's training for them in establishing nurseries, Good. understanding soil conservation, mm -hmm. uh, techniques for fruit production. For mm -hmm. example, we just did one on, on grafting. So one of the struggles we're facing, you have a, a national initiative with guides. We're realizing we have to capture so many of these things we've been building at the grassroots into programs that can be replicated and materials that have a life beyond the initial project. Uh -huh. uh, we just had a workshop, I was telling you, Mita, last weekend around uh, lumber culture, mm -hmm. worms. And uh, that worked so well with product producers. Mm -hmm. The idea in each community is find somebody with the potential to become the extensionist at the community level. So the project is supporting the communities. Mm -hmm. The success of this won't be measured in the normal terms in Honduras. How many trees did you plant? How many hectares yeah, yeah. are under management? How many management It's plants? how can you continue? Yeah, it's actually what do they do with what they know mm -hmm. and are they prepared to share that with the next community down the road? And that's our focus for the, for the coming year. So Some communities have made remarkable progress. Okay. Others are a little guarded. You know, the success I make as a family, the success I make in my community, mm -hmm. yeah, well, that's my success, it. they yeah. don't necessarily want to share it, mm -hmm. and that's something we're working on. But so that's something also, you know, actually, it's something that is similar to what we're trying to, you know, preparing to do, probably come up with, you know, a big project that would, uh, you know, be able to give us some money to actually empower the community, because right now, we really don't have a lot of funding, a lot of funding, you know, what, what I'm doing now is just research, writing and publishing, yeah. so we're trying to look, you know, Oh, that's what money. you were talking about. You were, yes. you were getting, you know, getting money to actually empower the community, yeah. give them money. You know, and that's the stuff them. you've been that's doing. That's what they are doing. Yeah. Train them on how to manage your community forest. Yeah, okay, and train each other. Yeah. But so one because thing that I, at, you know, you just sorry, one other thing I was thinking about that you might have in common: these um, multi, uh, these huge companies like uh, one that supported the building of this building um, have. Um, do they have something to win or lose when it comes to this kind of forestry? Or can they find the opportunity to participate? I think they have everything to win, to be honest. Yes, um, and do they see it many, that way? I think so, but I think there's also a, a big shift happening, basically a paradigm shift for people yeah. because they have to make the connections. They're not sure who to relate to. How do, I, how do I make that contact? How do I assure that it actually makes a difference on the ground? Yeah. And in many cases, how do I scale something right now that has to start at a community level? And that's not a rapid process, to be honest. If you want to build capacity at a community level, understanding, trust, that takes some time. Many times I see projects, they're interested, but you know what? It has to be a two-year cycle, and I want to do this, 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 and this. Yeah. Under a community forestry model, sometimes that works. but sometimes it doesn't because it takes time to build that the funding we all need I can appreciate your comments because yeah. a big chunk of my work is in the same spirit so there's a gap here between how do we how do we move things forward to make the small progressive additive changes a good model versus something that says if I gave you if I brought you 10 million dollars today mm -hmm. could you assure me that that would actually make a big impact I can't I can't because this is why I see yes because most of the forest in Cameroon 
you have this high biotropical tree species, you know, high biotropical tree species within the community forest. So most communities they are allowed to actually fell, you know, a certain percentage of the community forest. But what they do is that they fell these trees and they sell them by giveaway prices not to get money. Get process that will be community development. We need to value those tree species. You know, second you know secondary value manufacturing, you know, products. So you add value to tree species because when you add value to their life, you get a lot of process from it. So okay. unfortunately that does not happen within you know the communities. Okay. Most of the communities when they have their forest, they sell, you know, lumber. And this lumber is not actually very, very sustainable, particularly from a purely economic standpoint, from a economic standpoint. So if you transfer this lumber to secondary wood, you understand, know, like panels, you know, pens, you know, secondary wood products, communities are going to benefit enormously from it. Oh, I just had a light go on. I went to Kenya and I went to a project. There was a, a volunteer from Holland uh, working on this project. So it's near Mount Kenya. Hmm. And it was to increase the uh, uh, the amount that the farmers would earn every year, so that they could send their children to school. Project starts like this, and then event. So they're planting corn and um, maize, and then what happens is they find a nut in the community in the forests of Mount Kenya that uh, drops. This tree drops tons of these nuts on the ground. And so by collecting only 20% of the nuts on, from the tree, they uh, managed to refine this uh, uh, nut oil to a product that's really needed, that the um, cosmetic industry really in, is interested. So and that's a good example of, of, of a sustainable piece. Exactly. Okay, exactly. That's, that's I, I, what you mean. I was just talking about timber. Yeah. In the forest, uh -huh. you also have non-timber forest products, which is an example of what you're, you're stating about, you, you're just talking about non-timber forest products. So the tree is still yes. maintained, yes. the community still has um, um, uh, cash crop, mm -hmm. the, and, the, and, the, um, and the animals, say the monkeys in those forests, you have not robbed them of their life, of their food I agree fully, and that tends to be at the level of improving the individual community level, yes. there's also a way to scale that up though to something that has an international impact. And I'll give you an example from Honduras. One of our partners is Madero Verde. They're connected with Greenwood in the States. The Gibson Guitar Country company yes. wanted to utilize Honduran mahoganies but in a sustainable way. So wow. that entire initiative is built around working with a network of local certified producers on the usual chain of custody that takes place. But they took it one step further. They actually for women and for youth around using underutilized species in the community to produce value-added products, both for export and for international pieces. I actually emailed a guy in England and he said to me, you're going to enjoy this. He says, but I'm sitting on a chair that was produced not too far away from where you are right uh. now. And so those are the kind of initiatives where one company who says, you know what, we value this product. We need a way, we need somebody to partner with us to guarantee that this can be produced from the grassroots level up sustainably. Yeah. Um, so they've actually initiated a system in Honduras. Um, they're actually wow. using barcode tracking yeah. for the product. So it, it has an impact certainly under a management plan, but it's being done in a managed way with the communities. And it's working at a level that brings more potential because it's a secondary, secondary product yes. with international recognition. Otherwise what happens in Honduras is the illegal logging trade is a little less organized I think than what you said in Cameroon. People do that because they need it, they can't afford, or the process of the bureaucracy to get their products registered and the cost 
are extreme. So what happens is you flood the market with all of this illegal product that's not paying proper taxes, and that really makes it difficult for others to compete through a regular system. Ah. So you need a balance. You oh have to be encouraging. Oh my goodness, it's really complex. It is. So number one, thank you to Gibson's guitar for thinking of something like that. And I wonder now, because Dudonay, you're doing a postdoc, and now you're going to maybe look for funding for your project? For the second project, yeah. Second project, and you're actually on the ground making a project work. But there, is there anything that you might be able to help each other with in the future? I hope that you'll talk about that today. Well, you know, try to see, because lessons can always learn from both countries. Yes. Maybe, particularly this, you know, issue of uh, adding value, you know, value to wood products, you know, to primary wood products from community forest. Uh, that is what I would really, really want to learn, you know, from, uh, you know, okay. from Bob. Because it's a big issue in Cameroon. You see, most communities, they have community forests, the wood is there. But then, some of the communities are still very poor, even though they still they have been some development. But then most of the communities are very poor. And the reason behind it is the fact that they don't add value to wood, to the wood, you know, that is actually expected from the forest. And and we have the same challenge here in British Columbia, don't yeah. we? Yeah. We're exporting raw materials yeah. and we're now finding it's the same all over the world. So yeah. thank you, gentlemen, and I'll uh, see you later. Thank you. <laughs>